Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to another week of our podcast, Med Family. I'm the host, Eric Acker, and again, hosting today with Karen. Hey, guys. So we are in our, just wrapped up our first week of hospitalist rotation of the internal medicine segments i guess one of three weeks of being around hospitalists and it's easy i i don't want to say too easy but i feel like i have a lot more time on my hands than in previous rotations yeah but from what i understand like your specialty you have more hands-on time the hospitalist is less time and then it appears like you've been assigned to dr lomboy for your Inpatient, outpatient. Yeah, and he is, from everyone that I have talked to, he is, you will be there early in the morning till late at night, and you will have homework. So, um, it's kind of nice, in a way, like, you have, you you had your pulmonology, then you have your hospitalist, so you get some more time to study and kind of get ready for Dr. Lomboy, and then you have Dr. Lomboy, and then you have your three weeks to study right before your shelf. So, in a way, that is a little bit nice. You kind of have it segmented a little bit, so you can... Get some good study time in there. Yeah, ideally, I would be coming off of the hospitalist rotation and then studying a whole bunch, getting a lot of information down. I've been working a little bit on getting some of the topics that I might have to present on outlined a little bit more. Uh, I've been told that Dr. Lomboy does require, like Karen said, a lot more presentations and a lot more work, usually studying from early in the morning and finishing up late at night, and then, of course, having the evening to prepare a presentation for the next day, at least three times a week. So uh, I've, I've asked a few students uh, what kind of presentation topics that Dr. Lomboy likes to use and compiled a list and I'm starting to try to find the ones that seem to reoccur a lot and use those as make sure I get some templates down, some outlines. I figure if I'm with somebody else, it would be shared effort. So I'm not going to go full out and do <laughs> full length presentations right now because I don't want to spend that much time. I don't want to invest that much time in something that is going to be either a shared effort or may not actually happen. So it's more of a get familiarized with the topic and familiarize myself with where to get the information from. And then that way it's not reinventing the wheel. I'm just kind of plugging in information. I have an idea of how I want to do it. For me anyway, part of my issue is always knowing how to approach a problem is usually half of my my uh, battle and as opposed to approach you know tackling the problem so in this case understanding how i want to present a topic is usually a lot more detailed than presenting it itself so i think i've got at least one outline done i'm working on another one so we're making progress there <laughs> yeah and i think you did ask uh, the previous students that had him like his presentation style cuz like the the preceptor you're with currently, which with hospitals, it rotates, but he'll, he'll have the same preceptor this first week as he does the la- the last week. But this preceptor that he's currently with, he just wants like short and sweet and nitty gritty overview. Yeah. He told Eric, you went too in depth the first, the first go around. So each preceptor might have like 
how in depth they want you to go or like how long they want your your presentation to be and so it varies yeah so this my current preceptor he wants well i guess i'm going to get a new one tomorrow but so for the first week of hospice in the hospitalist rotation i started off with he started me with uh wanting me to talk on congestive heart failure and so i went and just did a whole bunch of point bullet points with congestive heart failure i talked to talked about the physiological factors behind heart failure talked about kind of on a more academic level you know left heart failure versus right heart failure or diastolic versus systolic heart failure and well it kind of went into a lot of that and then touched on a little bit of the treatment and he was more like well well here's what we're gonna do <laughs> and he just like drew the, on put the paper put one of his papers over and just started drawing like a flow chart like okay they come in and they have swelling and some pretty obvious signs that you might think heart failure, go ahead and get an echo. And the echo is going to show this, 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 and that if it's, you know, decreased ejection fraction, then we're thinking systolic heart failure. And then we go to this treatment course. <laughs> and if it's diastolic, then we go to this treatment course. And he's just kind of like, I just wanted kind of a flow chart on patient shows up in the ED and they get to the floor. What do you do as a hospitalist? to get them stabilized and then sent home. You know, the, all the other stuff is great academically, but not not necessary. So uh, that was something I'm trained to tailor my other presentations I had to do. So I had to do hypokalemia, hypo, hyperkalemia, hypokalemia, and hypo and hypernatremia. So high, high and low sodium, high and low potassium. And then I think tomorrow I'm probably going to present to Dr. Bootwala on AFib. So I got a, I got a good amount of information down. Uh, hopefully Dr. Bootwala is okay with the presentation style that Dr. Cola was okay with. So we'll see. Uh, it's just a learning process. It's good to kind of get some presentation experience, I guess, under your under foot to understand how to do a quick and quick presentation or at least a presentation that covers all the main points to a preceptor. So that's been good. That's been, been essentially my rotation. And that, not just presentations, obviously. So I, it's, it's a unique experience because I, I try to get in about 7 o'clock in the morning to do some pre-rounding. So last week I, I got there at 8, which is when they said to come in. And then Tuesday, I think, I was coming in at 8 again. And then he messaged me and just said, I'm on the floor, come find me. Which, you know, there's like five floors in this hospital, so <laughs> that was a little bit more of a trick. And so I was like, okay, I, you know, I didn't ask him when, you know, when to meet him, so that's probably on me. And so I asked him, and he was like, eh, just come whenever you want. And that's not exactly a great, <laughs> that's not a really helpful response, because I kind of like, I, I need to, for me, I, I want to get as much out of this rotation as I possibly can. I want to perform well. I want to be seen as a reliable medical student that maybe eventually he will let me do some stuff. And so showing up at, you know, whenever I want doesn't seem to fit the bill that I'm looking for. So he ended up saying like, oh, well, I'll usually get into the hospital about 7, 7.30. So that's where I aim to get into the hospital about 7, 7.30. This particular preceptor seems to deal with a lot of phone calls in the morning. Uh, so uh, today I got in at 7.00. 
I think 7.30, somewhere in there. And I ended up doing all my pre-rounding, just looking up all the patients that we had, and all 12 of them or something. And by 9.30, he was still, he hasn't, he usually works in a different office, then comes and gets me. So by 9.30, I was just like, oh my gosh, I, <laughs> I'm waiting to get going on the day. And then by, we started about 9.30, 9.45, and then by 11, we were done. So... It goes by really quick, and most of the time that we spend is walking in between patient rooms. We, we, of course, we go see the patients that are assigned to us, and those could be anywhere from the ICU to any of the other medical floors and behavioral health floors or whatever. Like We, we just kind of go everywhere. Wherever our patients assign, we just go see them, see how they're doing. I think generally the template goes, you talk to them, see how they're doing, you tell them what the plan is, what the goal is for the day, and then you see if they have any questions. So essentially, if the goal is to discharge, then we say, we're going to discharge you today. <laughs> that's a usually great, that's a, that's a great conversation because it's like, you're going home. And a lot of patients are like, finally, <laughs> I only get to go home. Uh, or there's some that, you know, waiting on placement into a sniff or placement into an ALF. So those are other conversations or we're just like, okay, well, we're working on weaning you off oxygen or whatever it is. Or we, we just kind of give the patient what the plan is for the day. And then we move on to the next patient. And by the time we're done with rotations, or sorry, rounds, then he goes in and just types up all his notes. And that's usually about, you know, from 11 to 12 is what he's doing that. He usually sends me home <laughs> at that point. So sometimes... He stays on, generally I think he stays on until 3. So he does all his notes from 11 to 3. And then of course anything that comes into the ED, they have a rotation between all the hospitalists. The, you know, patient comes in, it goes to 1, and then they kind of keep going down the list. But by, I think, 3 o'clock, he goes home. He's done for the day. So. But he had told you that your third week of when you're back with him that you were going to stay later. Yeah. Yeah. He um, said that usually one person stays on until about 7 PM and then that's the on call person. So he said that sometime next week he's going to be on call and he'll have me stick around for that one. So I, I'm hoping that means he'll send me down to the ED. Uh, cause that's usually what happens is someone gets admitted. So they, the hospital goes down to the ED and does a history and physical, on the patient and then admits them, you know, kind of basically assesses the patient to see if they should be admitted and, or just kind of a intake. Cause I guess sometimes we don't trust the ED's notes all that much. Uh, and that, that's a, a little pearl I heard from at least one of the residents, at least once where he was like, don't read the ED notes <laughs> written by scribes and ED doctors read the history and physical done by the admitting hospitalist. Those are those are gonna be more complete and more like concise, or at least more detailed as far as what's going on with the patient. Because I think maybe the ED doctor is in a more of a hurry to move on to the next patient. In either case, so I'm hoping that that's what that's gonna be. I'm hoping that's gonna be. I heard from a few other students that they get sent off to the ED and then they come back to the the hospitalist and present the patient to them and they go off of a lot of their presentation whether to admit patients and whatnot so I'm kind of hoping to be entrusted with some of that so we'll see 
You've had lunch with him a couple times this week as well because you kind of end around lunchtime. But yeah. on Friday, you actually had a a research opportunity meeting, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah. We So months ago, actually, um, <laughs> <laughs> months ago, Matthew Barbo, who was on the show uh, probably around Christmas time, he had set up, he was a kind of the research liaison for the school, and he had set up, um, I guess, a networking situation between Trinity students and the residencies, res- sorry, the residents at the local family medicine residency at Houston. He's also, I think, gone on to try to connect Trinity alumni who are residents with Trinity students because like residents need to do research in order to complete their program and medical students need to get research in order to get into a program. So it's kind of a helping each other out situation. But anyway, Matthew had set this thing up where a bunch of residents in the family medicine program at Houston Hospital needed some help with doing some grunt work for some of the research. And I signed up and got in contact with uh, one of the residents. And he said, great, you're going to be helping me on my research. I got to do a bunch of filings at the IBR or IRB committee. And so that's, once once I get something back from them, I'll get in touch. <laughs> so it's been a couple months and finally... He got the approval that he needed. We had a meeting. Uh, Friday. Yeah, you, like you said, it's high. Yeah, Karen said Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a meeting on Friday just to kind of go over what his research plan, the project is, and what our role is. And, I mean, to be completely fair, like, I don't want to overstate my role. And it's it's basically data inputting. I'm going to, we have a list of 50 patients uh, for the research project. And we're just going to dig into the chart find how long it took for them to be from the ED to the OR and and indicate whether that's under 24 hours or over 24 hours. And that's uh, essentially all our role is. He's going to take that information and make that uh, relate to what, uh, how whether mortality, we sh- should or should not expect mortality rates to have decreased based off of our performance as, at the hospital. So it's pretty straightforward research. It's not particularly complicated <laughs> well no but i mean you you found it slightly interesting because it's talking about orthopedic patients and you used to work for an orthopedic department and so they do things a little bit differently here than they did in washington so it was kind you were finding that interesting and it did encourage you to reach back out to the doctors that you used to work with and i think that was actually a good thing oh yeah I, I, yeah i ended up reaching because i I was confused about why, for hip fractures, it seemed like almost never a hemiarthroplasty was utilized as a treatment, versus which is what I was more familiar with back when I was a surgery coordinator. Uh, now I talked to, I reached out, like Karen said, to some of my former surgeons I used to work for to kind of get a little bit of better understanding of why. A surgeon might choose one procedure over another. There's a lot of time, a lot of the ones I kept seeing were like gamma nails or percutaneous pinnings and stuff like that. So I was curious of you know why a surgeon might choose one over the other. I had a I had one surgeon kind of give me a a bru- really brief rundown on it, and so I just wanted to get their opinion, the other surgeon's opinions on it. And I finally actually connected with uh, one of them today. And he, he explained it pretty well, and I don't know if I'm going to do it any justice. So 
He basically said it kind of came down to the fracture of whether the fracture was intercapsular, so within the capsule of the hip joint, or if it was extracapsular, the intracapsular, so the ones that the fractures that were within the capsule were more likely to do. And he said you could do percutaneous pinning, but hemiarthroplasty would could be indicated based off of some of the patient parameters. So he didn't get into specifics, but he said that there are some very clear indications for a hemi in those patients um, versus if it's outside of the capsule, then you might be looking more at the nails. So I'm, I'm really dumbing it down. He, he went into a lot more detail than that, so I'm, I'm kind of dumbing it down to what I know for sure what he said. <laughs> uh, but it was a, it was a good um, time to catch up with him because he... I worked with him for quite a while, and he moved on from the clinic I used to work at. Now he works at a completely different clinic in a completely different state. So, But he was always very supportive. He was one of the guys that wrote my letter of recommendation uh, uh, for medical school. So he was always always been very encouraging of me. Granted, I think the first time I met him, he told me not to go to med school. So, <laughs> <laughs> But he was really good at just chatting and seeing what I was up to, how things were going, if I liked it, what I liked about, you know, what, where I, where I thought I was going to go. But then again, that kind of leads to the, uh, our next section in the way where it was kind of, he dropped a little bit of information or at least a, a suggestion, just something that kind of drops into the back of your head and just goes, why don't you just give this a try? And so he, during the conversation, he's like, well, are you still considering orthopedics? And I was like, well, my step score wasn't really great. And so I don't think that that's going to be a, a real option for me. I don't think like orthopedics is where I'm going to end up. But I do like it. I, do, I did like, you know, I worked there for seven years. I did like seeing the surgeries. I like all the work and whatnot. But step score kind of kind of pushes me out of that realm. So I got to start thinking other things. And this is where I'm thinking. I talked about cardiology and then interventional cardiology. And he's like, okay, that, that makes sense. And he's like, work with your hands. That, that's all good. You can think about interventional radiology and other sort of things, which I thought about interventional radiology. I think that's just as competitive as orthopedics. So I don't know if I'm going to really entertain that. I'm not, not sure if I like that those procedures as much. But what he essentially, he also said is, like, well, don't give up on orthopedics because sometimes if you have a bad step score, you can turn it around or find your way in through other means, which is in his way. He's like, well, you're doing research, which is good. And so research is helpful, grades, obviously, and step scores. But you can also, if you do a really good job with uh, an away elective, you could possibly find your way into a into one of these orthopedic programs and I was like oh my gosh no. <laughs> you know I, I, for the last three months I basically have t I pushed orthopedics out of the way and I've been juggling between general surgery and IM as I think any listener has heard and then very recently I think I've more or less come down to I just need to do IM and with a focus on cardiology and of course I didn't get my cardiology rotation uh, which I was hoping for during uh, this during this internal medicine stints or core so and I'm, I'm working on that I'll, I'll touch on that later but now orthopedics is coming back <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i ended up i am i i 
I took his advice. I took, I just listened to what he had to say and, you know, try to pick his brain on what he thought about certain things about step going past fail and whatnot. And he, and he came to the same conclusion. Well, step two seems like that's going to be more important because you're going to be matching with people who have a pass fail step one and, you're going to have a number for step two. So step two is going to be probably more important. Yeah. I think that's what most people have come down to is they're not going to look at step one. They're just going to start looking at step two. Yeah. So talk to Karen (laughs) because it's like, okay, now I'm back to this. Oh, do I, do I need to still give up on orthopedics or do I need to give orthopedics a chance? And like, is that really wise? (laughs) Is it really wise to put my eggs in two different baskets and I think we kind of worked out a plan. I think I burst his bubble a little bit. Go for it. Oh, uh, well, so the away electives that we had been considering was Larkin. Yeah, Larkin in Florida, which is in South Miami. And, and a few. Gainesville, Georgia. St. And Louis. St. Louis, Missouri. And then I think we, we have either Navison or Piedmont in Macon as a. A fourth option. Right. And so knowing that those were our options, I have been looking at cost of living in all of those areas. And when Eric was talking about ha- having some indecision about <laughs> about this now that he had talked with <laughs> one of I the former... Pro, do I do another <laughs> away elective and try to do orthopedics? Is that splitting the baby too much? Do I need to put all my eggs in... In one basket, yeah. or do I split up? So then I went the well. This is this is what I see that we can do financially based off of, like so. As much as Larkin is nice in that, if you do, supposedly if you do an away elective there, you're almost guaranteed an interview there, which is really nice, and it's kind of like hedging your bets a little bit. But an interview is always good. Yeah, an interview <laughs> is always good, but it's in Miami, and. The pay is about what we are like, currently living off of right on the now. The website it's about forty six thousand. Uh, yeah, we're li- taxes. Yeah, we're living off a little bit less than that right now per year, but um, the cost of living there so is like twice as much. So a crappy rental would be. <laughs> About three grand a month, <laughs> so it, it, well, I think, well, at least at least two grand. Uh, at I very have, le- le- least. I haven't found it. Uh, one I for two. That was about oh. two, but, um, so but it's still it's still a sizable amount more than what we're paying right now. Right, and I mean we're fairly frugal. I don't know if I can get away with even less, even <laughs> less with how many are in our family. And so I was like, well, this is how I see it. If you were to get into Florida right now, we would we would buy a motorhome and we would live on a motorhome. So this is like <laughs> so it's not the first time she's mentioned this, but it's the first time it actually clicked in my head what she was doing. So Karen has been great about not telling me like, hey, that's really outside of our price range. Um, well, if it if it was what she's we going thought, with, we would make it work. You were going with more of a Okay, well, if we end up there, well, how would I make this work? And that, that's great. That's 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 also very helpful. But <laughs> well, he laughed at he, me. I showed him a whole spreadsheet. We could make it work. Oh my gosh, I, <laughs> I do have a little bit of aversion to living on an RV. Well, I have an aversion to living a, in an a, RV, a, but a we house would make that could roll away at any time. <laughs> hey, if there is a hurricane, we could just drive away. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes, we could just roll away. Um. <laughs> 
But like, I was trying to figure out ways to make things work that w- would possibly be doable. And that was my solution for Florida. But when we were talking about this and I was like, well, this is why I've been looking into this and this is what I think. And then Eric was like, well, that seems really low for the area. And then he was looking at the cost of what other residency programs would pay us. And it's actually on the lower end. Very low. And I, just as an example, this is all public information. Like you go on any of these residency websites, they publish it. And I'm just going to get kind of ballparks off the top of my head. So like Gainesville Internal Medicine Residency pays around 60000 a year for their first year medical, like PGY-1. Because you know, every year you get a little bit more money. <laughs> you get a pay raise, I guess, as you go along. It's not like significantly a lot of money. It's like probably like 50 cents an hour more. But but I mean, it's, you're, it's you're becoming a more proficient doctor. You're being so, more helpful to them. <laughs> so you go from like Gainesville, Georgia, which is kind of north, northeast Georgia. Um, I think probably their comparable life or living expenses compared to central Georgia where we're at. Yeah. And so that was sixty thousand, and then Macon uh, in Macon, I think it was Navison, maybe it was Piedmont. I can't remember which one I was looking at. It was like fifty two, fifty four thousand, I think, a year. So like Larkin was significantly under, <laughs> and and they're in a more desire. I mean, they are obviously in a more desirable. You know, Miami, Florida, it's warm, it's hot, it's got a lot of culture, it's it's on the beach. I mean, <laughs> it does have maybe a more desirable location than, you know, I don't think many people even listening to this podcast go, yeah, central Georgia, that's where I want to be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with central Georgia per se, but like if you think of like destinations to end up, like you don't think central Georgia, you think Miami, you think New York, you think... Chicago. Chicago. So it, it was interesting to see that an area that is much more expensive for cost of living, like Florida has jumped quite a bit in cost of living within the last three years, I think. It's, it's interesting that they are so behind on how they pay their residents. And, I, and I, there could be some reasons for that. And I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know enough to, know, to understand it. But it was... I guess interesting that Karen brought it up. I mean, Karen brought it up, and that was a good point. Because if we were going to do that, um, a way of elective, it was also one of the way electives that was going to cost money because they require more money than what the school allots for those away electives. So anything that the, I think the school allots, it's anywhere between two fifty and four fifty a week. I can't remember the exact amount. But essentially, this was going to make us, according to Matthew Barbo, it was going to cost us about a thousand dollars for a four week, for a four week rotation. <laughs> so Karen kind of mentioning like this is, you know, it's we're going to go wherever we get matched. Obviously, like you get an interview, you do all the interviews you can do, and we'll, we'll rank our matches, and we'll match, and we'll go wherever we get matched to. But like, this isn't this is probably not going to be one that ranks very high because, you know, cost of living is high. and Yeah, I mean, if Eric really loved the program, then, yeah, we could rank it higher. But I was just... I was just saying, are we actually applying to this because you think that you're going to love the program or are we applying to this because you know you're almost guaranteed an interview and you want to be... It's kind of a hedging your bets type of thing. 
Um, so we're going to bring this full circle <laughs> anytime now, I promise. Go ahead. No, it's fine. No, I was, so that kind of led to, okay, so why, why should we spend a whole bunch of extra money on a program that is probably not going to rank in our top, at least not in our top two, um, as of right now? I mean, obviously, rankings change as you get interviews and whatnot and as you experience different programs. But... Karen, I think, dropped the idea. Like, well, why don't you just do one away elective with orthopedics <laughs> and, you know, at least just give it a shot, you know? And then maybe we're not going to apply to every orthopedic group in the in the country, but you, you, know, you do a, an away elective. You, if they like you and you get a good impression from them, you drop your application with them, get an interview... And you can rank them wherever you want. You know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge in ranking later. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, then we have at least tried. We have, we have attempted to. Get I just into don't want him to go be down the road later and be like, "Well, I wish I would have tried." And we have no idea if Eric's connections are going to do him any good. But it just so happens that where where some of the doctors that he worked for is. And where they went to school is also um, where some of Eric's extended family lives. So it wouldn't be the worst thing to try an away elective at that hospital because um, maybe you could get a reference from somebody that's already gone through the program and you may not have to pay for housing because you might be able to just yeah, for the four weeks of <laughs> live away. with a family member um, or you get reduced costs on housing because you're living with a family member. Right. So... I th- I think it's worth a shot. I mean, I'd rather you not end up with. Did I did I leave cards on the table? Could I have tried for orthopedics and gotten <laughs> it? I mean, it's still obviously a, a long, very shot. long shot. But and like I said, I would probably just my my current plan is just to find an, an away elective, do it, and if I got a really good impression from them. I mean, obviously, when I do my electives, I will have already probably submitted my application. So I will probably just apply. I will probably just drop my application for the one place I'm doing my elective, and that's it for orthopedics. And internal medicine will be where the rest of And this is subject to my, change. <laughs> yeah, it is, could change. But, I mean, realistically, I think, it's, I think it's more realistic to just go, I'm auditioning for orthopedics as well as all my internal medicine auditions. I'm going to do away electives and whatnot. I'll apply to this one, you know, because that's the one I've auditioned at. Because I don't know if the rest of my application looks particularly impressive enough that another orthopedic group somewhere out there is just dying for somebody with my step score and my probably two maybe three research papers like uh, i'm not going to be the most desirable candidate especially since like they have their pick of all the u.s schools and traditionally orthopedics generally pick up only u.s students pretty rare for imgs to get into orthopedics it's very it's pretty rare yeah uh, it's very it means obviously a very competitive specialty so anyway all that to basically say i'm i'm going to give a shot at it. It's um, I don't know if it's the wisest of things, to, but I'm, I figure we can drop this particular um, away elective that is going to cost it quite a bit and may not end up being in a location that we would want to be and pick up a different 
away elective in a different specialty, it will it probably increase our <laughs> it will probably increase our um, residency application cost just a little bit because when you deviate off of more when you do more than one specialty, it costs a little bit more. So it is what it is. Yeah. Well, there are other things that we are doing. Um, well, I shouldn't say we because I, I have nothing to do with this. But so the two routes, well, our main route is internal medicine, cardiology. And since um, Eric wasn't able to get an IM rotation with a cardiologist, he has been trying to connect with students who have and see if maybe he might be able to shadow during his three weeks on online to get some time just to kind of get a feel of what an everyday day in the life of a cardiologist would look like. And if this is something that he, as much as conceptually he thinks this is, this is what he wants to do, he wants to kind of go through and see. Yeah, I mean, by, by and large, like I want to be able to go into any of my interviews in internal medicine and when they ask me, like, what do you like about internal medicine? Because in internal medicine, you can do a lot of things in internal medicine. You could be a pulmonologist. You could be outpatient, you know, care. You could be hospitalist. There's so many things you can do. And when I say, oh, I want to be a, a cardiologist, you know, they, I don't want them to look back at my CV and they look at my application and be like, well, when, why do you want to be a cardiologist? Have you had any cardiology experience? And... I, I don't want to shoot back and just say, well, I, I just like the concept. Like, I, that's just not going to be good enough, in my opinion. I, I feel like I need to have a little bit of experience. And so that's why there was a little bit of frustration when I didn't get my, I think I didn't get a cardiology rotation. And I kind of got told, oh, you can just do it during your electives, which I, I will probably do during my electives. Um, but by that but point, by that point, I will have applied and possibly have interviewed. So it's like, ooh, how, how do I write in my my letters and all my all my documents that I send in for the match? How do I get this application to say he wants to be a cardiologist? How do you get that to say that without any real experience? So, and that's why yeah, we reached out to a few people to see if they would help uh, help me kind of connect with a cardiologist so I can shadow for maybe one week, two weeks. I know that online, that online internal medicine, I still have to do my iHuman stuff, and I obviously have probably some question bank questions to get through, and obviously I need to pass my shelf, and I need to do really well on my shelf, so it's, it's a little bit of a, dimin- I don't know, there's a diminishing returns, or I can do, you know, three weeks of shadowing a cardiologist, but then not study for my shelf, and then you know, not do well on my internal medicine shelf, which would not be good. Uh, or I can not shadow at all and then not have any experience. So I, we're, we're going to try to make it work with at least one, one week at least and start with that. Yeah. And I mean, you're doing fairly good. You're working on videos and questions now during your like half day that you have to study as well as you're prepping for Dr. Lomboy. So I feel like you are moving in, you are continually studying as you go. Um, but, I mean, several people have said that on the internal med shelf that having the cardiolo- cardiology experience helped them with question- with a lot of the questions because of having... You can discern between a cardiac issue and a pulmonology issue or yeah. all the other issues. And reading EKGs is particularly helpful. So, overall, it's going to be a good net benefit for the shelf, 
for my application. So it's just a matter of kind of getting it worked out and then lining, you know, getting it all lined up. So all this to say, you are your <laughs> you are your advocate. So don't be obnoxious, but also be a little bit of a squeaky wheel, so that you can. Um, I mean, at least be industrious, maybe. Yeah. Like sometimes if you know the school isn't going to give you what you are looking for, you got to find another way to find it. You know, because in this case, like the school, you know, I I have my outpatient, inpatient, internal medicine, and my online. So. You know where are they gonna sit? Where are they gonna shove a three-week subspecialty rotation? And at this point, and you can't, you just can't fit it in. Um, I might make a request for my surgery rotation to have a slight change to try to get at least cardiology adjacent, uh, <laughs> but we'll see. But even then, like you can't, I can't rely on that either because I, you know, I've already had this experience of requesting something and then it just doesn't work out for one reason or another i'm sure i'm sure the coordinators have a reason why it just didn't work out i'm just not privy to it whatever but in either case like karen said like you are your own advocate so so you do it to squeak a little bit and when you're squeaking doesn't seem to kind of work with the school you get get a little inventive get you know figure out a different way to get to where you want to get to uh, outside of the school. And, yeah. not, and it's not, not saying that the school is doing a bad job. They never guarantee that you're going to get what you requested. And they try hard to they try get to, you they what try you to want. But... And, and I'm not saying like by going outside of the school, like doing this shadowing thing, I'm breaking any rules. I'm not breaking any rules. I think I'm allowed to do this sort of stuff. I just can't. I, I, I can't work, essentially. There's, there's certain rules you can't. Yeah, you can't touch a patient because you are not insured. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I think in other, other news, I have another shot at <laughs> leadership. And again, this is a, kind of the point where you're doing, I'm doing maintenance on the CV, trying to make that CV look like it has a lot of bullet points on it, a lot of things worth you know, grabbing some attention and saying, hey, this person's an active person. They don't just study and... And go to school. You know, they they ask, they have some extracurricular things. So I'm trying to add another bullet point to my CV, and I'm going to try to apply for uh, core coordinator. I think it's a position for the student government. And it's basically, I felt like that would be. I think last time I had applied for uh, chief justice, and it, I don't know if it was the perfect fit. Like it was like something that was available, and I kind of thought, well, I could probably do that and do a decent job. But I think coordinator is a little bit more. Not, obviously, I do a podcast <laughs> talking about rotations and tips and tricks and how to get through rotations. So, help you know, being the, the go-to person for students who have questions about their cores and how to deal with preceptors and whatnot and how to navigate a lot of that stuff. I think that's going to be a little bit more in my wheelhouse. Plus, you just got done with cores, or you will have just gotten done with. Or, yeah, course, I mean, so I'm, I'm so close. Like we we just have like what eight eight weeks of cardiol uh, sorry, eight weeks of medicine. internal medicine, and then another twelve of surgery. So I, I mean, I won't be able to answer a lot of surgical questions, but I should be able to navigate my way through all the other stuff. Yeah, and I, and obviously, if I don't have the answer, I have to try to find someone who does. Yeah, that's essentially how that all works. So. We're, we're going to give that a shot. <laughs> we'll see what happens. You know, it's obviously has to be voted on and the peers have to agree that I would be good for that job. <laughs> I, I had another bullet point. I think we covered it before. Just where I, I, 
Karen was doing all this work on trying to, you know, she knew the locations of places I was going to do my away electives. And so she was kind of doing some of the groundwork on if this were to work out, how, how could we make this work? Uh, that's one of the things I like about Karen. <laughs> Many things I like about Karen and appreciate about her uh, is that she is doing a lot of this stuff that I don't have to. Um, I mean, if I if I half was the a, time he doesn't know what I'm doing, it just comes when it, <laughs> it comes up. When, when she pertinent. drops like a, this is how you can afford a, an RV. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to live in an RV. What are you doing? And well, this is the only thing that we could afford. Hey, <laughs> uh, no, it's great. I mean, <laughs> single students have to do all this work themselves and in the granted they don't have to think about four kids and you know and how to you know homeschool continue education and take care of them and make sure that they get speech therapy and all that fun stuff but like so we obviously have a little bit more baggage if you if you will that comes along blessings with, well, I mean, blessings <laughs> for sure but the things that you have to consider that a single student would probably not have to consider like if i was single I'm sure I could live in Miami, Florida for forty, you know, forty-four thousand a year or forty-six thousand a year, and be just fine because I can find a a small one-bedroom apartment and I would eat at the hospital hundred percent of the time. So, you know, <laughs> like food costs would be nothing, and it would just be like transportation costs in the house. So, <laughs> but like I have obviously four kids and a wife. So, but Karen is thinking about where we're we gonna live, what are we, how we're we gonna do school, how we're we gonna do all the things that we need to do and that's one thing that she does i think the other thing that she's been particularly helpful is like i had posed the idea that maybe i should do a particular rotation in my surgery and she was and she said well no you work seven years in orthopedics you <laughs> i don't know if you need another uh three weeks in orthopedics to, to decide whether you like it or not so stick with your cardiology idea for surgery and so that was, I think that was a good perspective, you know, to kind of keep things in line that I'm not just bouncing around and shooting off emails to the coordinators at the school and they're just kind of going, what the heck, make up your mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I figure my job is to kind of just lend perspective. So, I mean, this last few weeks, we've been rearranging our schedule <laughs> so that we go to bed earlier, we wake up earlier. That way we could hopefully get... Well, Eric has been very good about getting workout in. I have not been very good about getting workout in. When she says workout, I mean, the people who are cutting to my Apple Watch will notice that I do five minutes. It doesn't matter. It's something. It's <laughs> like, better than nothing. It's nothing. Um, but, Occasionally, um, I'll do my, my bike and rowing machine. But, <laughs> like, at least once a my week. My excuse is the kids have been sick all last, the last week and a half, so I, I'm just not doing it. But... Um, Anyways, so we're kind of trying to switch our schedule a little bit so that when time comes that he's, because I've, I've heard that there's sometimes very early mornings with Dr. Lomboy, and so you just kind of want to be ready for that change in schedule so you're not dragging. And, I mean, that's going to lead from Lomboy to surgery. surgery. And so it's just, there's going to be a lot of early mornings and late nights. So, so not, not necessarily things that Eric has to think about, but just kind of, Cutting off because normally Eric gets home. We he helps me get the kids ready for bed, and we put the two youngest to bed. We do games with the two oldest. We put them to bed, make our own dinner, and then we relax together. And a lot of times we just 
either sit there and talk or watch TV and time gets away because that is our time. Before you know it, it's 11, 12 o'clock at night and it's like, oh, we got to go to bed. Yeah, we were looking over our all of our uh, sleep data from all of our devices <laughs> and we're like, we haven't gotten, our average for the last month is about four and a half hours of sleep a night. That's not healthy. <laughs> so it's not going to work No well. wonder we're always <laughs> so tired. So we're switching up our schedule a little bit. And I don't know. I feel like it's been at least helpful for me. <laughs> I mean, up until, up until last night, but <laughs> that that was uh, off the schedule. I, I stayed out a little bit later to do some games and celebrate one of uh, my classmates' birthdays. And so I got home a bit late. Karen tried to stay up. <laughs> she couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Um, well, it you're you know you're always do, always doomed when like you try and stay up while laying and reading in bed. Like, that's just not gonna happen. You're no, gonna fall asleep. Gonna fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, and I, I knew once I got home at that hour at midnight, I was like, I'm gonna suffer for this tomorrow. I'm gonna try to keep my normal wake up routine and get to the hospital by seven seven thirty and start pre rounding. And sure enough, I was yawning by nine thirty and. I think I, when I went to study at twelve thirty, I just passed out for probably for a half an hour. <laughs> Sorry, uh, just so tired. Um, yeah. So Karen's been keeping me honest. It's another one of those things you gotta, I guess, appreciate out of your wife. To a large extent, like appreciate she, or not, she's looking out for <laughs> your. Like she, Karen's looking out for my my best interest, whether or not I want those things like whether or not i want to go to bed at you know 10 11 o'clock at night uh, it's what i should be doing and that's what karen and then of course there's trying to look at the bigger picture and be like well you don't need to do this this and this because you've done this this and it's like oh wait that makes sense um or saying you know i looked up i crunched the numbers <laughs> this is what you know what we afforded and then i think we even talked today where i think i said I think what we're going to do is I'm going to look up a bunch of programs that I'm interested in and I plan to apply to. And I'll not do, you know, auditions or anything like that at, but I'll apply to a bunch of programs and then you can kind of look up what it would be like to live there and the cost and whether, where, where it fit, follows in our budget. Like, is this like an ideal spot? Is this a less than ideal spot? And then when if, if it comes down to we get to rank some of these programs, then we can kind of look at that as a factor. Like maybe not, maybe not the only thing that we look at, but an obvious factor. Cause like, obviously uh, we, we had kind of already knocked off New York city because, you know, family of six on a residence, one resident salary in the middle of New York city, which is the highest residential marketplace. <laughs> like, yes, it's great to match, but like, what's the point of matching if you can't even live there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can I can afford a cardboard box. <laughs> <laughs> and that just doesn't that's not gonna work. So there's obviously some cutoffs and some things we have to consider, but there's obviously like well if we could have like three variables or maybe four variables, like one being absolutely not can't can't afford it, no way to make that budget work, to we can we can stretch a little bit and make this work this is comfortable and this is definitely doable. And then we can take that into account when we get to ranking. So, yeah. And I won't go as in depth with the long list as the short list. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Anyway, I think that's probably about as much as we should get through this week. 
Yeah. So I think uh, going into next week, um, and we're finishing off one. Uh, we have one. Sorry, we're starting the second week of our hospitals rotation, trying to get a little bit ahead and start applying to some of these electives. I think right now is just doing the groundwork, making sure I understand what the school requires before I can apply to some of these electives, away electives. And then getting that all put together and then applying to a couple. My ideal is before I start Dr. Lomboy is to have at least maybe two applications out for some of these away electives. That way I'm making progress. It's about the right time to start doing that kind of work. Yeah. And then that also gives us time to figure out like. Housing. (laughs) Yeah, housing. And like North Georgia, obviously, Eric can take his car and drive. Um, But like St. Louis, probably not. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll have, uh, <laughs> the, we can make some, like, we can apply and then we can start, like, putting down some concrete plans and figure it out. Yeah. But anyway, that's where we're at this week. And I'm, I'm working on another special podcast uh, with a guest. Uh, I haven't really got all the details worked out yet. So I am working on those specials where I kind of feature other medical students and their stories and their unique perspective. So we'll hopefully get at least one more in the future here soon. I'm not sure within the next couple of weeks, but maybe at least within the next couple of months. Yeah. And then if you have any questions or would like us to cover a certain topic, please shoot us a message. You can follow us on MedFamilyMD or any. you can listen to us on any of the pl- podcast platforms. And... Feel free to rate us. We appreciate it. It helps us reach a broader audience. Um, Yeah. Can you think of anything? That's it for the week. You guys have a good week. Bye.